after a few years sans travel, a lot of people are reprioritizing travel again, and subsequently, they're getting into debt over it. Maybe you're one in five people who are paying off credit card debt for last year's travels. According to studies, Americans spend on average $2,830 per household on summer vacations, an all-time high right now. As inflation continues to negatively impact travel and airfare costs continue to soar, vacation budgets are increasing, causing some to give up travel completely, while others are taking on debt to fund travel experiences. Now, I get it. Life is short. You only live once. And of course, you work really hard. Quite frankly, you deserve a vacation. And there is no disputing that. But there are smarter ways to go about financing a vacation without racking up hundreds or thousands of dollars in credit card debt. While we all want to travel, you really have to decide for yourself if taking on debt to travel is worth it. Now, I polled my Twitter audience. I'm over at The Thought Card. encourage you to follow me. And 61.5% of people did not think that travel is worth getting into debt over. With some saying guilty as charged and others who would give a pass for special occasions like a honeymoon or a baby moon. And some were actually open to taking on debt, but to a certain point. And in the show notes, I'll make sure to have a link to that tweets so you can kind of see the back and forth and conversations we had around that poll. Now, for my opinion on the matter, you're going to have to listen to the rest of the episode all the way to the very end, and I'll share with you my personal thoughts on if travel is worth getting into debt over. If you're hoping to travel this year, there are plenty of ways to save money and avoid getting into debt, thus making travel more affordable. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about 10 different strategies on how you can plan a debt-free vacation and make travel a bit more affordable for you. Now, this episode is made in partnership with MedJet. While travel medical insurance reimburses you for the costs associated with medical emergencies while traveling, Most MedEvac benefits will only get you to the nearest acceptable hospital capable of stabilizing and treating you. But to get moved home, you need an air medical transport membership like MedJet. You can also add 24-7 travel security and crisis response benefits. So whether you're hospitalized while traveling or feeling threatened, you can call them. There are never any claims, out-of-pocket expenses outside your membership, or surprise bills afterward. Check out the full write-up at thoughtcard.com slash medjet to learn why standard travel and medical insurance sometimes isn't enough and scenarios where having a medjet membership would be beneficial. Join thousands of travelers, including myself and my family, who choose medjet for peace of mind. The link to learn more will be in the show notes. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving, and creativity 
leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. All right. So how do you avoid getting into debt while traveling? And I have 10 strategies for you. And this is from someone who has gotten into debt while traveling. I wouldn't say I gotten into like thousands and thousands of credit card debt, but especially in my earlier years of traveling, I would go overboard sometimes and I would have to come back home to a credit card bill. And I would spend some time paying that off, right? Generally speaking, today's episode, I really want to talk about just kind of ways to keep that in check and to really not accumulate debt while we are traveling. So number one, number one strategy, I will say that these are not in any particular order of importance, but let's go through them. So I would say building your travel savings is an important strategy to avoid getting into debt. You know, when you're saving cash for vacations, this actually improves the likeliness of you affording one. However, I will say that more than half of people forget to consider vacations when laying out their budget for the year. So if travel is a priority for you, I recommend treating it like one. You want to add travel as a line item in your budget. And I personally prefer to open a separate bank account dedicated to our travel goals. And you'll save throughout the year for travel and spend those earmarked funds guilt-free later on. Having a travel fund makes it easier to track how much you saved overall for travel. So when you're ready to take that vacation, the money you've worked so hard for to squirrel away over the weeks and months, maybe even years, is just there waiting for you. Now, I have a whole episode dedicated to why you need a travel fund, why it's important, and you can go back and listen to episode number two to really get all the nitty details of travel fund basics. Now, something I think that's important to also share here as you're building your travel savings is that it adds up very quickly. So even if you can only afford to just squirrel away $25 every pay period, do it. Whatever you can afford to do is worth it to not get into debt over. And I say $25 in particular because that's how much I actually saved my first job out of college, my first real big girl job out of college, I saved $25 every pay period. And at the end of a few months, I think maybe even a year or so, I can't even remember now. But with that basic habit of just saving $25 every time I got paid, I was able to save enough for my first trip to Paris, which changed my entire life and really sparked me becoming this financially savvy traveler. And I could have laughed at, oh, $25 is insignificant, but that's what I had at the time, which is why I always recommend to just start where you're at. If it's $5, just squirrel it away. If it's $25, if it's $150, if it's $500, whatever it is, whatever you can afford, put that away for your travel savings. Get into the habit of saving for travel regularly, no matter how big or small you think it is, because it definitely adds up quickly. So I, overall, I really believe that Building your travel savings is an important part of avoiding this debt cycle that a lot of us get into. Secondly, is to set a travel budget and to stick to it. 
Once you've identified where you want to go, determine a travel budget for your trip. You could use sites like Numbio, which is an open source database detailing costs for travelers, whether your budget, your mid or luxury traveler. And it also shares like the cost of living. I mean, they go really in detail. They'll let you know like how much a carton of eggs costs, how much milk costs. Like you can go really into detail if you want. So it's a great database for just all the number crunching as you're planning your trip. But I also recommend to read blog posts by creators like myself who openly share travel cost breakdowns detailing exactly how much vacations cost around the world. Now on my website alone, I have trip costs to Iceland, Bermuda, Mexico, China, Oslo, Norway. I have so many. And I did that intentionally because I felt like when planning a trip, it's really hard to imagine how much to save because the numbers aren't out there. People will share with you things like things to do in Iceland, for example. But how much should I actually be bringing to Iceland? How much do I actually need to responsibly save for a trip to Iceland, for example? That was a bit lacking. So I would couple using sites like Numbio, but also doing a bit of Google searching. Even Pinterest can be a great resource for this kind of stuff and just look to see how much it costs to go wherever you're thinking about going to, okay? Overall, some general travel costs that you can estimate when you're planning your trip include airfare. That's huge. Your nightly hotel rate. You can get like an estimate or an average and you can kind of guess how much you're going to be spending per night on your accommodation. If you plan to rent a car or not, you can get your car rental per day, food estimates per day. If you're a foodie and you love dining out, then maybe go at the higher end of your budget for food. Activities per day is something else. So overall, that's airfare, your hotel, your lodging, your car rentals, food and activities. All of those estimates can really start to help you map out, okay, how much money will you need to plan your trip? Now, the third strategy is to reduce expenses by, of course, redeeming points and miles. Now, I have an entire playlist dedicated to points and miles. All the episodes I've ever recorded on points and miles, which is becoming quite a lot now. But overall, I would say redeeming points and miles is one of my personal favorite ways to reduce travel expenses and to just alleviate that pressure off of having to fund an entire trip with my cash. Now, whether you plan on earning points and miles by leveraging credit card signup bonuses, maximizing your everyday spending categories, or you're accumulating points and miles the good old-fashioned way by being a loyal customer of these airlines and hotel companies, use what you have to partially or fully pay for your flights and your hotel stays. So here are some of the travel hacking strategies that I use to book free travel every year. So I have a Marriott Bonvoy credit card and I get one free Marriott hotel night stay per year, up to 30,000 Bonvoy points I could use. So that's something that we typically like to use every year for a local staycation that we plan here. And yeah, I literally just book my hotel stay with my credit, my free night credit. I also receive a complimentary companion flight with my Delta Gold SkyMiles credit card, 
So it's really nice to be able to be like, let's go anywhere in the continental U.S. And I can bring my mom, my friend, or my husband with me, complimentary. So I really like that benefit from the Delta Gold SkyMiles credit card. You can save 25% on travel purchases like flights, hotels, car rentals, booked through Chase Ultimate Rewards. So if you have any of those Chase credit cards like the Chase Freedom Unlimited or the Preferred, you can use that for savings there. I actually just came back from a trip to Clarksville and Franklin, Tennessee, and I booked our car rental specifically through Chase Ultimate Rewards and I was able to shave about, you know, save that 25% off of my car rental by just booking through the Chase Ultimate Rewards. So not only did I spend less miles or points using the Chase Ultimate Rewards platform, but I also didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. So I love that. (laughs) I felt like I stacked on benefits there. And then another one of my favorite travel hacking strategies for booking free travel is using my Capital One Venture Card for erasing travel purchases. So you could literally, if you have enough points, you can literally just slash, just remove, erase an entire charge. You don't even have to pay for it. So I really like that for Airbnb stays. I use that a lot for Airbnb stays. So yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits for redeeming points and miles, and it can definitely help to avoid getting into debt. Okay, the fourth strategy is to prepay high ticket expenses. So after you have a handle on your vacation budget and know exactly how much you have to save to turn your planned vacation into this blissful reality, right? You want to consider paying your high ticket items first. So I typically focus on paying for flights and hotels first because these sell out And typically, the later you wait, the more it costs. So it becomes more expensive the more last minute. So I like to book my typically flights, accommodation, and car rental first. So I also know that like the vacation is definitely happening. Like once a flight is booked, it's like we're going. Like we are going. And then after all of those that I would say those top three flights, accommodation, and car rentals, then I feel like I can move into other less urgent expenses like tours, saving for food and drink experiences, activities, and all the other bits. I feel like that comes later. But overall, my whole goal when I'm planning a trip is to get those three booked. If I'm getting a car, get that car, book that flight, get my accommodation all set up so I can take advantage of those saving opportunities to book early, And I know that, okay, our trip is definitely happening. Now, one of the mistakes I made, especially when I was younger, is I would try to bring several credit cards with me on trips and do this whole like, I'm going to use the best card when I'm out there. And I have all these travel expenses on like multiple cards, which would make it really difficult to keep track of. So I recommend to use only one card when you're out on the road traveling. This keeps things really simple and streamlined. And you use this one credit card for all of your travel purchases. I will say that Visa and MasterCard are widely accepted worldwide, while American Express can be more difficult to use abroad. So I would say bring a Visa or a MasterCard 
make that be the credit card that you pick so that you don't run into any issues, all right? Don't forget when you are traveling overseas to use a no foreign transaction fee credit card. We do not want to be paying fees on each swipe that we make. That's not the financial savvy thing to do, right? So we want to make sure we, we're picking a card, maybe that's a Visa and MasterCard that has no foreign transaction fees. And overall, to pick a card that you're likely going to get additional points and miles for your most common expenses when you're traveling, like your dining, your transportation, your gas. So something that's offering you two, three, five times points and miles for these spending categories, I think is smart to do. Now, the card that you pick may not have all of these options, right? But overall, when you're looking at your card portfolio, you want to bring one card that hopefully can fill all the gaps and checks all the boxes that you're not spending on fees and you're also getting some nice fluffy points and miles as a result of all your spending. As a rule of thumb, I will say, especially when it comes to credit card, is to treat your credit card like a debit card or like cash. So you only want to make purchases you have available to spend in your travel fund right now. Nothing more. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, I have gone on trips where I went a little overboard and I was spending money that I didn't necessarily have in my travel fund. And as a result, I came back home with credit card debt and I had to work really hard to get out of that credit card debt. Another option is to consider using a debit card directly linked to your travel fund so that your travel funds are withdrawn immediately with each swipe. So whether you want to use one credit card and then you you pay that credit card off with your travel fund monies or you use a debit card that's linked directly to your travel funds like you can pick which path you want to go to towards but i think the best is just be mindful of your spending be mindful of how much you saved how much you have in your travel fund account and then spend wisely spend within your means now i want to talk about cash in particular Carrying the majority of your travel fund in cash is an alternative to using plastic. So you may be the type of traveler that you're like, I just prefer using cash. Or you may be like, I prefer using plastic. Regardless of which avenue you pick, I do feel like there is something special about seeing your money physically dwindling that can reel you in and forces you to take a critical look at your spending decision every spending decision, when you have to go into your wallet, take out cash, you really start to kind of like subconsciously think about things because <laughs> you're like, you know, my cash is going down. I have to go to the ATM soon. Like, it, you just kind of think things through a little bit more versus kind of like a swipe. I don't know. Let me know if you feel same or if you feel differently about that. On a recent trip to Paris, I withdrew 400 euros for spending money. So I went to the ATM, I took out 400 euros, and I had that in my wallet. And I decided to really just dive into cash spending for this trip to Paris. I was on a tight budget, and I didn't want to go over, and I didn't want to come back to a credit card bill. So I would only use my credit card only when I had to make a reservation online or when cash wasn't accepted, like when I was purchasing our metro tickets, like there wasn't, at least I didn't see a place where I could put in my cash. So I would use my card. 
And to my surprise, at the end of that week, I had nearly half of my spending allowance remaining. So I had close to 200 euros still in my wallet. And I honestly feel like using cash just helped me have a better handle on like my expenses and just thinking about like, do I want to spend money for this or is there an alternative, right? So I do think there's something magical about using cash. Now, I know the counter would be like, well, Danielle, you missed out on so many points and miles you could have earned while you were traveling. And that's true. But I think for me, what was most important is not coming back to another credit card bill, not adding debt onto what I was already paying off. So I think using cash again is very powerful. And there's a lot of behind the scenes mechanics happening. Our mental gymnastics are helping us to kind of stay in line. So that's like a real world example of just how I've been using cash on a recent trip. Okay, the seventh strategy is to stay with friends and family. Now, when you're planning your trips, you want to ask yourself, do you have any loved ones based where you're planning on traveling to? And if you do, give them a heads up that you're planning to be in town and just ask them if you can stay with them for a few days or your entire stay. I will say that like some loved ones will have comfortable accommodations for you. Maybe you may have your own dedicated guest bedroom right? Maybe your own villa, (laughs) your own villa as a guest. While others may have more modest accommodations where they're offering you their couch, right? So just be mindful that you are in their space, that you're a guest in their home. And I always like to do a little gesture of gratitude where I bring whoever I'm staying with, a small gift, whether that's a bottle of wine, a cigar, or something just memorable from my hometown, just to say thank you for allowing me to stay in their space for a few days, right? And the whole reason behind this is not only to spend time with them, but also it does reduce your costs, your travel costs, right? So you can save maybe hundreds of dollars on accommodation by staying with friends and family. Now, the eighth strategy for avoiding debt when you're traveling is to use your annual bonus or your tax refund. So if you're eligible for an annual bonus at work, keep in the back of your mind that you're going to be using this windfall monies for upcoming vacations and trips. And this can also be applied to your tax refunds. So save any unexpected funds that come in. You could be like, I'm going to use this and add this to our travel fund. And this will help you to reach your travel goals sooner and kind of have that account. So again, you're not having to reach for a credit card. You can use your cash. Now, annual bonuses used to be my favorite way. When I was working a nine to five, I would get typically an annual bonus. And I already like earmarked. I was like, if I'm ever getting a bonus, it's going to go straight to my travel fund. If I'm ever getting a tax refund, I typically would kind of like separate into two. I would put some money into my travel fund, but sometimes I'd put money into like our house repairs or like a home renovation project. So I guess the tip here is just, again, anything that comes in that's unexpected, have in the back of your mind that you're going to use that to further your travel goals. And then the ninth tip I would say is to shorten your trips. So I first discovered this tip when planning a trip to Iceland. And I will say Iceland is 
absolutely stunning. I've been to Iceland three times, but it's a pricey destination. It is not cheap by any means. And while I wanted to spend an entire week on the island, I could only afford three to four days. So I didn't push through and say, I'm going to spend extra time and figure out paying it off later. No, I just decided like my money can only last for four days in this destination. So that's all I'm going to do. Now, I was able to go to Iceland three times. So three separate occasions I've been to Iceland and my trips were on the three to four days length of time. And I feel like that's something to think about. Like sometimes you want to go on vacation, but the reality of it is that you have to make sacrifices sometimes and you have to cut corners. And sometimes shortening your trip is just one of the easy ways to do it. So yeah, you're going to go to Iceland. You might not be there for a week, might be there for four days, but hey, you're in Iceland. Now, the last strategy I will say is to travel off season. And when I say traveling off season, these are times where you're avoiding the large crowds. So typically, large crowds are summer months, the warmer months, the holiday season like Christmas and New Year. Easter is also quite expensive. Or just sometimes big events are happening in town, like festivals and conferences and races and concerts. So you really want to avoid these surge times when there's a lot of people visiting a destination. I will also say that every destination has their own off-peak season or their shoulder season. So you want to consider visiting when the crowds are thin at that particular destination. But then there are some places like Vegas where it's popular all year round. And no matter if you go in the winter versus the summer, it's going to be super busy. And the opportunities to kind of like save when things are slow may not be available there, okay? Another thing to note is that some off-peak seasons are due to like this inclement and bad weather, like hurricanes in the fall in the Caribbean or tsunamis and monsoon season in Asia. So Yes, you may want to go and travel during off-peak season, but you want to do your research to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into because the weather may not be the best, which can be contributing as to why people decide not to go there during that time. So overall, with these 10 different strategies I shared today, the overarching question I have for you is, is it worth it going into debt for travel? Is it smart to finance a vacation? It all depends on your personal preference and what you're willing to bear. It comes down to, I would say, planning ahead, knowing your numbers, spending wisely, and having discipline, right? And I know one of the things that people struggle with is this peer pressure, right? Either your family or your friends really want you to come with them on this trip. And you're maybe feeling hesitant to say no because of this peer pressure. I always say, for those of you who are struggling with peer pressure, your family and friends will understand your commitment to your finances and yourself. They will understand. And if they don't, you want to consider setting up those internal boundaries for yourself where you're tuning out the noise and doing you regardless of what they say. Having a strong 
sense of self and knowing that like, yeah, I definitely want to go on that girl's trip to Nashville, but just not right now is a very powerful position to be in and to stay true to your financial goals, what you're trying to accomplish in your life and just not letting that negative energy or negative talk sometimes that comes with not going with the crowd can really be very powerful. So here's my opinion on the matter. Again, the question is, is it worth it to get into debt for travel? And as someone who has taken on debt to travel, I just don't believe in wreaking havoc or compromising our family finances in the name of traveling. I love to travel. I love to travel. It's one of my favorite things to do. For crying out loud, I have a whole podcast about travel, right? And personal finance. And I don't believe in taking on debt and paying interest on my purchases to make this happen. But again, you have to decide this for yourself. You have to decide this for yourself. I can't say how you feel about it or what you should do. You have to decide for yourself. I know from personal experience, paying off credit card debt on top of the bills you already have is really hard. It is so tough. And that's why I'm not here to shame or judge because I've been on both sides. I've been on sides where I was a little reckless and I went overboard. And I've been on sides where I plan everything out and I didn't come back to anything. It literally was seamless transition. So I've been on both sides. So I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to shame anyone. But I do think it's something to just think about is to think about like for you morally and your values, what are you willing to do to be able to travel, right? Knowing that it takes about six months to financially recover from a vacation that's put on a credit card, it puts things into perspective. If it takes six months to recover, are you willing to pay off this credit card and it takes that amount of time to kind of get you in a better place? Good food for thought. So overall, let me just recap really quickly the 10 different strategies. Again, you want to prioritize building your travel savings. When you know where you want to go, you set a travel budget for yourself and you stick to it, stick to the budget. You want to reduce your expenses by redeeming points and miles. You want to prepay for your high-tech expenses like your accommodations, your car rentals, and your flights ahead of time. So your, your savings to be focused on all the other miscellaneous pieces. When possible, use one credit card. Just bring one credit card with you to keep things simple and streamlined. An alternative to that is to use cash. Cash is a very powerful tool to help you stay in line. Stay with friends and family. If you're going to a place where you know that they live and that they wouldn't mind putting you up for a couple nights. Any windfall money, unexpected money that comes your way, Consider putting that directly into your travel savings. Consider planning shorter trips. Sometimes you're going to have to make sacrifices and cut corners just to be able to successfully go out there and travel, right? And shortening a trip can be one of those solutions where you can go, but it's just not as long as you may have originally thought. And then lastly, traveling off-season can be a great way to save and to be amongst less crowded areas with a lot of people, a lot of tourists as yourself. Yeah, that's all I have for today. And 
I think this is an important conversation for us to have because our goal is to really be financially savvy and to be smart and to make informed decisions. So if you are going into debt as a result of traveling, knowing what you're getting yourself into, but also if you decide I don't want to get into debt, I hope this episode offered lots of suggestions and ideas of like how to keep things from getting to that point. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You could email me at thethoughtcard at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts on just traveling without getting into debt. And you can also just tweet me as well at the thought card on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you head over to our blog at thoughtcard.com, I'll continue to add more and more strategies. So definitely head over to our website after this episode to see if there's anything additional that I've added into the write-up. That's all for now, Fantasy Cyber Travelers. I will talk to you in the next one.